the music comes in. No. Oh, we are live. Hold on. No, hold on. <laughs> You're fucking hopeless. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. I tried, Darren. I tried to, to, to go online today. Right, I woke up in the morning. I did. I did wake up late, and I'm sorry to uh, our band of brothers who no who one's on. No one's that I'm late. Yeah, we're, we're late. Not on when we usually would be. So they've all fucked off and having breakfast, having dinner, doing something else. But Darren, you know what I did last night? I what went online and I, I tried to. I tried to buy a, a Manchester City jersey because <laughs> because you know Arsenal are obviously dead, Darren. Uh, they're dead. They're washed up. They're useless. They're never coming back. Uh, this is the end of fucking days. Arnold Schwarzenegger has already been cast into a film called Death of Arsenal, End of Days. Um, it's all a bit stupid out there at the moment, Dazza. It's all a bit bit crazy. And I know we, we like to consider you to be the most positive of Arsenal fans. But surely, Darren... Surely even you, the most positive of Arsenal fans, must be looking at this window and thinking, surely something, anything could have got done rather than leaving us with an absolutely paper-thin squad for 17 games. Actually, I'm delighted. (laughs) I'm absolutely delighted. I'm disappointed we didn't land a striker because, well, I'm disappointed... We didn't land the striker that we wanted to buy. But the fact that he didn't want to play for us, fine, off he goes. I'm delighted we didn't waste our money and our resources on a last-minute trolley dash around the supermarket and make another mistake. Do you know Mm. what? We've got no cup football left. We're not in the Europa League. We're not in the Champions League. We're not in the League Cup. We're not in the FA Cup. That means we're... You know, we could play with a squad of 14 players for the rest of this season. doesn't matter. Nobody was going to come in, was going to hit the ground running and do the job that we wanted to do. Nobody was available. We got rid of all of the dead wood. Uh, we we got rid of our captain and uh, and most expensive player. How did we get someone to buy him out of his contract? Do well, we paid him We paid him seven million quid to fuck off. Well, apparently. yeah, but that's a fucking couple of weeks' wages. That's nothing, honestly, really. Yeah, Darren, I, 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 I think, you know, you can break this transfer down into three or four different pieces, right? So you've got the outgoings, you've got the lack of incomings, you've got the strategy for next summer, and then you have the kind of unexplainable... Um, incident that happens with Aubameyang and I'll start with we'll start with 
burping up my coffee in the morning, sorry. We'll start with Aubameyang because this seems to have caused a, a, a fair amount of outrage, Darren, outrage within the Arsenal fan base. Now, the transparency around Aubameyang hasn't been particularly clear. We got a quote from Arteta yesterday that came out that was along the lines of if if you're not willing to put in 100% all the time on and off the pitch, then what are you doing here? So I think it can be made pretty, I mean, we can fill in the blanks there, Darren, pretty easily that maybe Oba's head was gone, maybe he wasn't happy, maybe this, maybe that. But had he have had he had not had this season, this is the, the, the funny that. thing. Had he not have had this season, had he not have had this season that he has had, uh, the form slump that he had. And Darren, people seem to forget about the form slump. People seem to forget that we were considerably better without him. People seem to forget that our form turned around when he came out of the team. And people seem to forget or, or not see this the fact that the team unity actually seemed to get considerably better when he came out of the team. It wasn't like a, you know, there was unrest within the team. There was division in the team, like with Urzel, where you had, you know, factions of the team who were Urzel and factions of the team who were the manager. So I guess, you know, as always, waffling away, Darren, but what do you make of the, the exit? What do you make of the decision to get rid of him now? I, I, let me just say, just to preface this, I don't, you know, I don't do a lot on Twitter. I don't even read it these days. Um, I watched, I listened to a couple of podcasts, which I normally do. And I listened to you, or I watched you on uh, when you made a guest appearance on some other Two Bob show. <laughs> uh, and I can't really believe the outrage. Oh, I, mean, I can, of course I can, because it's Arsenal fans. But I just don't really understand the outrage this time you know we're having a pretty good season better than most people thought and most of people's problems were that we had a an overburdened squad full of overpaid players that weren't contributing and we had a captain that uh, was on 300 grand a week roughly and uh, he hadn't played for two months so let's just break that down let's start with what you said with the Bami gang played last on December the 6th having a terrible season, upsetting the apple cart in our uh, squad. Since he's come out of the squad, we've played better. And we managed to save ourselves a whole fucking shed load, 18 months of, of ridiculous wages for a player that we weren't going to play. This was going to turn into an Ozil situation. I am delighted. Uh, I mean, look, let's. can I just say this? Aubameyang, great player, loved him, loved watching him for a long time. Um, you know, was our our leading goal scorer for the last couple of years. Sad to see him go. Sad that we're not going to say goodbye. Sad we can't do all those things. But delighted that he's not our problem anymore. One of the biggest problems we had freeing up money for anybody else to come in and take his place was him. And we've managed to get rid of him to Barcelona. And it will hurt. It will be stabbing the eye when we see him knocking some goals for Barcelona. But he might be happier there. But we bought him when he had a bad reputation for misbehaviour at Dortmund. He's uh, He towed the line for a little while. We made him captain. This year's not working. It was a season too long. We should never have offered him a bigger contract. And I should never have given him the captaincy. I think that, I think giving him yeah, the captaincy was, was a real death nail for him. It was, oh, yeah. it was Xhaka 
who the fans decided they didn't want, and he upset everyone. He was the next senior player. It was him or Lacazette, and he used to get the nod to play over Lacazette. No, we shouldn't have given him the captaincy, but you know we had to give it to someone. He was it maybe Darren. It's, like, it's like it, Darren. It's like me at football three weeks ago, right? My football team. They gave me the captaincy because the two other captains weren't there, and I got sent off, ejected from the stadium actually thrown out of the stadium and then suspended for two weeks. You're a bit of certain, a pork chop. Certain people, Darren, certain people should never have the captain's armband. You know what, Darren? It just went to my head a bit. I tried to fight a couple of guys. The referee sent me off. I called him a fat cunt. He told me to watch my mouth. I said, why don't you watch what goes into your mouth? He said, why? And I yelled in his face, because you're a dumb fat cunt. And I got sent off, Darren. Threw me out of the stadium, Darren. He said, yes. get out of the stadium. You know, I doubt if any of your teammates are listening here, but they were probably thinking, why did we give him the captaincy, you know? Um, but it. for some people, it works. For some people, they grow up. Some people grow a pair. Some people take that responsibility. Some people take on leadership. Some people react in, the, in a perfect way. You know, Obama Yang did clean his act up, but... Arteta knows, look, we may have a manager who's more dictatorial than Adolf Hitler, you know, but we've got a manager that doesn't, if everyone doesn't buy in, and he's been under Wenger and he's been under Pep Guardiola, he obviously wants to run this club in his fashion. If, if people don't buy in, he lets them go. So the fact that we have managed to get a player that wasn't playing, wasn't contributing, <laughs> Sorry. wasn't sneezing, and 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 wasn't you know was wasn't was was just taking money from the wage bill, then it's a delight that we've managed to get rid of him at minimal cost, and we now have money to spend on somebody else. I think it's a really, I mean, look, how do you rate our transfer window out of ten? I've heard that on a few on a few things I've I've watched and listened to. How do you rate ours out of ten? I'll give it a three. Yeah, see, see, I've I've heard threes and fours. I'm going to give it a seven. Well, mate, I've heard I've heard zeros, and I think both. I think both. I, I don't think you can give a transfer a seven, where you don't do what you need to do. So, if you were to break it down and you were to say, for the outgoings, what would I rate it for the outgoings, Darren? I rate it a ten. Every one of those players had to go. Every one of those players had no place being here, but we didn't get a huge amount of money for anyone, so you can't rate it a ten. It's it's not like we we cleared the books out and we put thirty odd million in incomings. I rate our strategy quite high because that's what I wanted to see. I, I, I said to you on the last podcast, I wanted to see Arsenal go after apex players, and if they couldn't get apex players, I wanted them to keep their powder dry. Simple as that. So on the strategy level, I have no issue with what Arsenal are doing. And I'll, I'll, round, I'll round back to that because on when I was on Lee Judges TV, I actually thought I put it, I put it pretty well for a um, semi-retarded, illiterate, dyslexic human. Um, Darren, I'll say one thing on Aubameyang just quickly. I think Aubameyang has a little bit of Sanchez about him and the way people remember Alexis and the way people are going to remember Sanchez or the way people do remember Sanchez, sorry, and the way people remember Aubameyang. Even when Aubameyang was flying for us, 
absolutely flying for us, similar to Sanchez. I always thought that he was a bit of a stats padder in the sense that what he actually gave to the team as a whole was quite minimal, but his stats at the time looked quite good. Now, prior to his FA Cup run, so his last two games, his last two or three games for Arsenal in the FA Cup, I was very big on the bandwagon of do not give him a new contract, don't give him a new contract, get him out. Now, he essentially walcotted that contract. Do you remember when Theo was up for his last big contract and they played him at centre forward and he turned into fucking Inzaghi for six weeks? Um, so I, I think the way that people are going to remember Aubameyang and they're going to look back at his highlights and they're going to remember this player, you know, and look at all these incredible goals. But I'll remember him as quite a wasteful player, Darren, um, who needed quite a lot of chances to get his goals. I'll remember him as quite a one-dimensional player. Um, and I guess we'll always remember that FA Cup run, which will, will put him in some kind of light. But I'm not crying that he's coming out of the team. And I'll, I'm also not spitting venom, saying, well, fuck you. I hope you break your leg at Barcelona. I think I'll end up with almost, a, a as, as you know, I like to be, Darren, quite moderate. But I'll almost end up with quite a moderate outlook on Aubameyang and Aubameyang's time. Yeah, maybe so. Look, let, let's. I think when Urzel left the club, um, I said he wasn't one of the best twenty midfielders, um, best ten midfielders at Arsenal in, I've seen in my time. I know I'm quite old, and I've seen a lot of mid, uh, a lot of mid, a lot of strikers, a lot of midfielders. And I said that Mesa Urzel wasn't in my top ten. Who are your best the, five? Who are your best five strikers well, to late say, boots for Arsenal? I was, I was going to say that with uh, with Urzel, I didn't think he was in our top ten midfielders. Yeah. Uh, so, Stop looking at the comments. There's one I want to come back to before we move on. Um, I, I didn't think Aubameyang was in the top 20 strikers that I've seen at Arsenal. Okay, he wasn't in my oh, top I, I, 20. I think, I, I think yeah, yeah, two, no, I go back two 20 further. plus goal, two 20 plus goal season outputs, yeah. I think would put no, him I'm close. Honest. I think he, would put him close to the top. You've come on, you've talked for about fucking 10 minutes without let me say. I'm giving you my point of view, which is the point of the podcast is you say something and then I say something, or you could say something and then interrupt me every time I tried to talk. I okay. mean, if you want to do the podcast <laughs> that way, we can, but it doesn't listen to me. So, so what I'm saying is, is that Aubameyang wasn't in my top 20 Arsenal strikers. Probably, in, probably could go in 25. He wasn't a natural finisher, but when you're playing in a team where we only had one outlet, he was going to get 20 goals a season. It doesn't make me say he's a bad player, but he wasn't, you know, one of the best. I don't cry my eyes out when he leaves the club. And I don't go back to what I say. It's cost us money. He hasn't played since December the 6th. He didn't buy into the project and we've managed to release him without spending, you know, without it costing us a fortune that it has done with many other players. So let's put Aubameyang to bed. He's left the company, he's, he's the company, he's left the club and, uh, and I am such a corporate man now, aren't I? He's left the company <laughs> and we should be happy, we should rejoice that a player that was no part of our plans, that was on a huge wage, has left the company. Quickly, Darren, as a very, very, very old man uh, who has supported the club since uh, the, the the dawn of time, remove Burkamp and Henri. Who are your top five strikers, not including Burkamp and Henri? Oh, well, let me just start go through. So uh, John Radford, Ray Kennedy, they were better than a Bamiang. The pair of them. 
Um, I cried when Ray Kennedy left the club, went to Liverpool. I couldn't understand that. Seven, Frank Stapleton was better. Um, let me go through. It was after Stapleton. No, Woodcock, he wasn't. No, let's go through. Ian Wright's miles, miles better. Uh, Nicholas Anelka. How many did you want? Sorry, I'm just thinking. Anelka was maybe the Anelka was maybe the greatest talent outside of Henri that I saw lace boots for and, Arsenal. And, and you've got to remember, you said forget Henri and Bergkamp. So can I, if I throw those two in, what Van Persie, seven, Van Persie eight. for Van Persie no, no, he's a better player than Aubameyang. He's a cut, but he was a better player than Aubameyang. Yeah, yeah, but I hate him. Uh, yes, he was better. Van Persie. I mean, there's lots. What I'm saying is, is every era of Arsenal that I've watched, Aubameyang was the best striker in the worst side I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, that's where I put him. Aubameyang's gone. Can you put up that big message from Digi Scott uh, on the screen? Hello, Digi. I was impressed this window. Uh, stick it up. So I, I didn't realise Digi. I didn't realise Digi was so old. Darren is younger than me. Digi must be in his eighties. Actually, sorry, I didn't see that one. <laughs> now, put the big one up. I was impressed with really, so I was impressed. This is from Digi Scott. I was impressed this window with our chest out negotiations, not compromising, including overpayments to Barca and not buying from desperation or outside of the long term profile. Digi, like you, could, you might as well come on this podcast and and, and replace me in, in future weeks because that is so exactly right. The Arsenal fans are throwing all their toys out the pram at the moment because we didn't buy anyone. We identified a striker who was going to cost us the best part of 60 or 70 million pounds. He was young. He's scoring goals for fun. One of the hottest prospects in, 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 in world football. And we tried to buy him and he fucked us off to go to Juventus. Um, so what did we do? Did we then go, oh, shit, let's go and spend 300 grand a week and buy somebody who we didn't identify? Now, people would say we should have had a plan B, we should have had a backup. In January, at that sort of level, those players were not available. So rather than make a mistake and go and panic by last minute shopping trolley dash around the supermarket, we held our nerve. We didn't sell Enketia, you know, even though there was money on the table for him. And we have looked at it and said, do you know what? We've got 17 games left. We're only playing once a week, if that, with lots of space in between. Let us uh, relax a little bit and start planning for next season. We've got rid of all the dead wood, so we've got money in the chest. And we can now identify some new targets for the summer. And this plan is still on track. You know, we're playing better than we thought we would. We've got rid of all but the six players that we got rid of. What did they have? Six six uh, starts between them Ainsley, this season? Ainsley Maitland-Niles had two starts, eight off the bench. Uh, Pablo Marie had two starts, none off the bench. Callum Chambers had, I think, one start, two off the bench. Uh, it's I, I put a, a, a thing up on Twitter, Darren, saying, you know, these guys weren't exactly next cab off the rank. The, the the only one that upset me and still continues to upset me is Ainsley Maitland Niles. But I, I mean that 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 is what that is what it is and that's only because of my you know I've I've I held Ainsley in really high regard. A little bit upset about Callum Chambers. Um I think getting two million for Callum Chambers is is poor in the scheme of things. We you know we could have let him go seasons before and and got a bit more for him. Um, Mainsley, we could have got 25 million for him the year before if we had have let him go to Wolves. So that, there's some strategy stuff around the timing that I think is poor. But to quote uh, one of the guys off Arsenal Vision, 
What was it off Ask Blog? I listened to a couple of podcasts this week, can't remember. They said that this isn't a part of this regime, that these things happening are still part of a hangover from previous regimes, from two previous regimes, and some quite big contracts and some some pieces of the puzzle that were put together not by Arteta. So I can sort of forgive him for, for some of those elements. Darren, you, you, you sort of talk about the strategy, and I think the strategy is something important that people, they don't look at and they don't want to talk about. I mean, it's a, it's a business strategy. Now, like it or don't like it, Arsenal fans, you do get the overarching feeling that this strategy was put in place as in it was a three-year strategy. Arteta was never going anywhere. Edu was never going anywhere. You feel like they may have presented the board with, with this compact idea across a three-year plan and said, this is the level of investment that we want. This is the start point. This is our year one intention. This is our year two intention. And this is our year three intention. And we will be held to account at the end of our process. And the way I explained this when I was on Lee Judges TV was like this. When we signed Tommy Asu, when we signed Ramsdale, when we signed Ben White, I was not enamoured with those signings. I wasn't enamoured with them. I, I, I didn't know who Tommy Asu was. I wasn't fond of Ramsdale. I thought that Bert Leno was an excellent keeper and I didn't understand why we were spending so much money on what I thought was going to be a backup keeper. Um. And I thought the money for Ben White was ridiculous. But as time has gone on, we now look at those signings and say that each one of those signings has been a resounding success, which means we have to allow the strategy to play out before we start to make our comments on it. Now, this has been a strategic move from Arsenal. I, I do not get the feeling, Darren, that this was Arsenal going into the market and Arsenal fans saying, Arsenal have no pulling power. No one wants to come to Arsenal. Everyone looks at the way that Arteta treated Ozil and treated Aubameyang and doesn't want to be here. I honestly don't believe that. I believe that there was a strategic decision made that we had to get this money out. There's a strategic decision made that there was 17 games left and these players on reasonable wages, that money could be reinvested in the next window. And I think with the, the what's his fucking name? Valachuk. I always fuck his name up. Vlaovic. Vlaovic. And I genuinely believe that because Vlaovic was available, we moved our strategy a year forward and said, no, if we can get that guy, he is the apex guy. If we can get him, we have to go in for him now. When we didn't get him, we went right back to where our strategy was before. We didn't all of a sudden shift the strategy, push the boat out, go and release Isaac's clause for 90 million euros. The decision, I believe, and the strategy has always been we need to clear out the players, we need to clear out the wage book, we need to get to next year, to next summer, where I believe, Darren, we will have a series of targets who are available, who we're not trying to get out of contracts. Don't forget January. You are asking a team in January to have to do business, which is why in January so much of the time you get disruptive players. You get players who the club doesn't want. That's why a Barca have, have Aubameyang. He wouldn't have been available, but he's available because he was disruptive. So my what, what I'm rambling on about, Darren, is that you cannot judge what has happened in the January transfer window until you see what happens in the next 
transfer window. Because what, see, that all makes sense, Max. To just a million it. pounds been put aside now for us, 200 million pounds and a load of wages to be able to go up to him, him and him and say, there's your 250K a week and there's your four-year contract. Have your 50 million, have your 60 million. See, see, I can agree with most of what you said there. There's two things I take exception to. One, that you say you can't judge that window and you judged it as a three. You know, I mean, you, you know, you can contradict yourself in the same sentence sometimes. You know, you're judging it as a three. I'm judging it as a seven. It wasn't perfect. We didn't buy in a striker that we we desperately needed. But it wasn't anything. There's not many big signings. Can you really remember outside of our Sharvin any really good January signings? They don't happen in January. You know what I mean? They don't generally happen in January. City haven't made huge signings. United, you know, West Ham. Nobody is because of what you've just said. You made a lot of sense in some of what you said. Um, but there isn't big signings in January. And we managed to shift a lot of players who don't play, who are all on 100 grand a week, who were just costing us money. If they're not playing, you know, six starts between six players and we've got them out of the club and their wages off the wage bill, then that's all perfect. That's Kalasanak was on 160k. Well, yeah, you got to remember, we got him a free transfer. So that's that was the issue, wasn't it? It was a free transfer. The wages were sort of, you know, if you if you say we bought him for 20 million, then he was on 20 grand a week. You know, it, it, it's one of those. Things. You know what, know. Darren, if Kalasanak hits the ground running and he turned into an amazing player, a free transfer a and yeah. free transfer and 150k a week is a great deal. A gamble yeah. worth taking for a guy who was in the Bundesliga team of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's say it was it, on paper. It was good, you know. It was a good signing. It was the, the wages didn't matter because we didn't have to pay a transfer bill. But this is the what other, I mean about this is what, what I mean, Darren, about hindsight and about actually letting a transfer play out or letting a strategy play out before you can judge it. In the cold light of day, that Kalasnik transfer looks like good business. The other part of what I don't agree with, I don't think we brought the tra- the business forward a year. You say that we brought that plan forward a year. I don't agree. I think the plan is if there is a player that's identified that will absolutely improve our side, the club will make funds available to buy them. And I think that's what they did with Blahovic, is that we, we, we realised that a player that fit the profile, young, scoring goals, great potential, possibility of a sell-on value, five-year contract, 60 million, that all worked. So I don't think we pulled it forward. We just didn't pull that deal off. And that wasn't through anything we did wrong. The player just didn't want to join us. And, and Arsenal fans are right when we don't have the pulling power that we used to have. You know, players are going to look and say, well, they're not in the Champions League. They weren't even in the fucking Europa League for the last two years. Do you know, if I was a top player, I wouldn't want to go to Arsenal. So the, the skill now that Edu and Arteta and the team have to do is to find more Tomoyasus. I mean, that, that's fairly straightforward. But the transfer window wasn't a failure. Arsenal fans throwing the toys out of the pram because we didn't buy anyone. Who did buy anyone? Was there any big signings? You know, if we'd have just spent stupid money on players and, uh, you know, we've made mistakes. Pepe, the amount of money we paid for Pepe was a mistake. That was the ball tanker, Arteta. You know, that was that agent that we had, the, the um, I can't even remember his name, you know, the uh, Kia, whoever it was, who was Pepe's agent. Chirabkin, was it one of his? Um, yeah. That was him saying that, you know, I've got this player, you can come and get him, you know, 70 million and he's yours. And I'll take as a young manager thinking, fuck me. Yeah, yeah, go on, I'll have him. Because you would if the club's offering it. That was bad strategy. Now the strategy is in place. Arsenal fans have to remember that this has been a steady decline for, what, 15 years. It's been a steady decline. And some years under Wenger, we decided to go all youth. 
not youth that we're buying in, all Hal End boys. That didn't work. Um, you know, we had a whole team of people that that, it, that that didn't work. Then we went and spent lots of money on players. That didn't work. You know, so so now then people people wanted us to buy. Pre- people used to scream down and bang their drum. Go buy Premier League proven players, and we bought Louise, and we bought Czech, and yeah, we bought William, and they were fucking shit. Yeah. So <laughs> so let's. I, I'm not saying this strategy is going to work. You've got a lot of young kids. Uh, their heads might be turned. It's very unlikely that all of these young players will turn into superstars, Ben White included. Um, you know, these these are these are players, Ramsdale included. You know, they, they may look good for six months, then they may fade completely out of out of life because that's what happens with a lot of young players. Look at Jack Wilshire, bless him. You know, I know it was a bad injury that fucked him up, but these players, you know, didn't make the potential. So we've got about eight or nine of them, and we need five or six of them to get to the real top level if we're going to get to the next level ourselves. We have to now keep identifying them. We really do have to keep identifying these players because we're not. We've got history, we've got tradition, we've got a big name in football, but we haven't got the pulling power that we had because we've been eight the last two years and may finish there again this year. But but don't worry about our squad. The best football I've seen Arsenal play in that period in the last 15 years was against Manchester City, and all of those players are still at the club. Darren, do you agree that despite this this strategy for us being a a less hectic, a less shopping cart strategy, and and you know both of us hope, or maybe to some extent believe that this will pay off in in the next season? But do it you agree been. with this? Do you agree with this statement? It is a balls on the line risk and approach if Edu and Arteta have, have led this and KSC have, have led this strategy. It is a balls-on-the-line approach if we get one or two unlucky injuries and we finish outside the top six. What was the question in there? Sorry. Basically, if we finish outside the top six, does this strategy end up becoming fucking stupid? Because with all that money, if we've got no European football, I'm not talking about Champions League football. If we've got no European football, and if we've got no European football and one of, say, Lacazette, Niketia, or both go down, that this strategy ends up being completely overturned because with all that money, you don't have any European football to go and bring in any of the top targets and you're going to have to pay overs in wages to bring people in. Do you agree that that strategy is risky? Uh, yes, but you know, we, we, it's not like we're down to the bare bones. We've still got a fairly decent sized squad. It's not completely bereft of players. You know, we've got two goalkeepers, we've got six defenders, we've got six midfielders, and we've got about six strikers. You know, yes, you could get you can get hurt with injuries, but that could happen. You know, you can lose all your strikers for injury without getting rid of the ones without getting rid of a Bamiye. I think the issue becomes if it doesn't work next year, if our if our transfer window in the summer is a failure, then then that becomes our problem. But, I mean, look at... Can I just give you a couple of examples? Leicester City won a Premier League the other year without any big signings. They had a couple of good players, Jamie Vardy, uh, Kante, you know, uh, Schmeichel. They've got some good players. You need good players to win the Premier League. But they didn't win it because they had lots of big-name signings. They won it because their manager and the team worked together 
to become um, a, a unit that never got beat. And they went on and kept winning and winning and winning games. So to me, you know, star names are all great, all well and good, but they don't all work out. We spent 75 million on Pepe. That hasn't really worked out. I still hope he, he will come good. You know, the money we spent on Urzel, the money we spent on Alexis, you know, all these are, sorry, big, big name signings that everyone wants and they haven't worked out. Aubameyang for one, Lacazette had a really good season and then has trailed off. So, you know, spending the money doesn't always guarantee success. It really doesn't. It's about this team all working together. And Arteta has got a young core of players, some really exceptionally talented players with a, a production line coming through from Howland. And, and some good scouts, because we picked up some fantastic buys in the summer. Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, Ben White, you know, the year before, Kieran Tierney. Let's not forget, none of these players cost more than 20-odd million. You know, they were in the scheme of premiership big clubs. They weren't that expensive. And we've actually played really well this season towards the last six weeks, you know, really well. So tell me what's wrong with it. We've got rid of a lot of shit. We've got rid of our biggest paid player. And, you know, we've got 17 games left because we've got no cap football whatsoever. That's enough. That's enough. There's a big enough squad to, to last those 17 games and get in the top four. Toby has joined us. He's in the room. I saw that you were started a bit late. So I just ju- I just jumped in and took a gamble to see if you, just, if you were just here. Jumped in, just jumped in to say, hello, Toby, your beard is looking lush. 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 Yeah, yeah, very it- thick. <laughs> Max, can I put a question to you? Yes. Uh, what do you feel like when your brother is so handsome and you look like a knob? Yeah, well, I've seen his, I've seen his dick, I've seen his dick there, <laughs> and I know that all that handsome can't make up for his tiny little fucking pecker. So you know, when it comes to the schlong, Darren, there's two sides of our family. There's the Abrahal side, who notoriously have big willies. And there's the wear side who notoriously have small willies. And unfortunately, Toby got a wear. I got an Abrahal. Therefore, he got the lush beard and the good looks, mate. It's all a it's all a, a formula here, Darren. I'd I'd like to say happily average and no complaints. And I've got to use it quite a lot in my life. So um so well, of not course too you bad. Would. You're good looking, Max. I am, that. <laughs> I am slightly jealous of always been reminded about the massive schlong but you know i'm i'm comfortable with myself and my age now and and my and my former usage which i did quite a lot i don't anymore obviously because i'm of married course. and i have kids yes yeah married <laughs> toby toby in the in the, in the scope of of arsenal i know you've been a, a little bit removed from arsenal you've been super busy moved city changed job new house all of that sort of stuff but in the scope of things and and what you've seen as we move into the next transfer window, Toby, and it looks like we're going to have to sign minimum two strikers, so a, a, a worldie and a backup, it looks like we're going to have to replace Xhaka, maybe bring in another one to two backups in midfield, possibly looking at bringing back Saliba, having to sign a backup right back, it seems, Toby, that not only is the next transfer window going to be very important for making sure that we buy these one or two apex players, but also that as we have now removed the backfield from our squad, as we also expect to probably see El Nenny come out of the team and, and go away as well, it feels, Toby, this transfer window is going to end up being, what, an eight 
player transfer window to be able to backfill the team back to a Champions League or Europa League loaded squad. Is that strategy smart? And is that going to be very difficult to get done in one window? I think it will be difficult to get done in one window, but I don't think it's like we didn't try this window. I think that's just the market. So there's but less regardless money. Regardless of whether we did try or we didn't try, Toby, it's fucking very difficult to bring in eight players. Oh, absolutely. And I think it'll put more pressure on us. I think we'll have more of a competitor in Newcastle and other recovering teams. Um, and I also think that teams selling to us can hold us over a barrel more because they yeah. know we they know we absolutely need it. So it's going to jack the price up of everything. I'm a little bit in, in two minds, and you are right about the amount of replacements that we will need, particularly next year. But I do have a foot in Darren's camp as well. We know we only have 17 games. There's players that we haven't used at all, like Pepe. We've got someone like Martinelli that potentially could be the direct replacement within the squad for Abamyang, who, as much as I'm sad to see him go, wasn't performing and was definitely on the on the downturn of his career. So I feel like January being a, a massive disappointment, obviously. But with the returning players that we have, we probably do have the squad to continue with that momentum. So you see, Max, you see, Max, he's not only got the looks, he's smarter than you as well. I mean, how beautifully eloquent is he? He's just put it over exactly right. It was disappointing. It's very, it's very easy to it's very easy to come in, you know, once every two months and sound intelligent for five seconds, Darren. It's much harder to do it for an hour a week and you know, across I, multiple I seem to platforms. Manage it. <laughs> it's true. Where uh, I'll just continue, boys, but thank you, Darren. Um where I didn't enjoy things was I have a bit of an obsession, a bit of a, a disliking obsession for Cedric. So for the way we play, and I think, and I did watch the last game against Burnley, for for me, it showed how much we miss Tomayasu when he's not there because our play is so based around him and even even Ramsdale's distribution to him. His energy, his defence, you know, the lopsided way we play. Um, to have Cedric as a replacement, and I know that Cedric didn't replace him in that Bur Burnley game, but to lose Chambers for nothing and just basically tear up his contract and say, you can go for free. For him to go and be the same backup player at Villa, where he covers centre-back and right-back, you had a like-for-like -like body shape, skill set replacement, and you've kept this overpaid little dude from Southampton, who we only got because of his player agent, and he's still there. So for me... Of course, the, the Mainsley thing was a little bit silly, I think. You just keep him until the the end of the window and let him go on the last day to Roma. And the second thing was that Chambers was good cover and enabled us to play in the same way. All right? Yeah, I feel, I think, I feel that I think way we about... had solutions everywhere else. Okay, of course, we, 
Of course, we need. I feel that a, way a about El Nenny, Toby. I feel that way about El Nenny. You know, everyone wanting to get El Nenny out of the door. I think El Nenny is an absolutely perfect squad player, and they're talking about El Nenny going to, you know, Saudi Arabia and things like that. You know, he's not going somewhere better. I'd have no issue if El Nenny didn't go in the summer. I would have had no issue if Chambers didn't go. You know, I think they're both absolutely fantastic squad players. To answer the point, you know, about Cedric, look, I've got a bit of a man crush on Chambers like uh, you you have on Mainsley. I mean, I've never seen, I've watched a lot of Ainsley make the Niles and never seen what people talk about. Had a good season at left back. His concentration's terrible. He wants to play as a centre midfielder. And we've played him there and he hasn't been very good. You know, so, you know, let that one go. Please just let that one go. We wanted him to be good. We hoped he was going to be good. He wasn't any good. He'll be coming back from Roma because he's not very good. You know, I mean, but Cedric, the issue with Cedric is that, and you answered your own question, so is that he's overpaid little whatever you called him. He is. So we can't sell him because he was one of the mistakes that we made, you know, and one of Arteta's mistakes that he's made. We overpaid for a player, so now we can't get rid of him. And that's where, you know, you know, Chambers, I was very, very sad to see him go. But you can't say, why can't we get rid of Cedric and keep Chambers? Because Chambers was, you know, somebody wanted him, could afford him. We can't let Cedric go. No one's going to pay his wages. No one's going to pay £120,000 a week to, to take Cedric off our hands. They're just not, mm-hmm. even if we gave him away as a free transfer. So mm-hmm. we, we couldn't do it. So, you know, it's part of the mistakes in the past that we're trying to correct now. And, and Cedric is one of them. And Cedric isn't a terrible player. I'm with you. He doesn't fit the style. Doesn't fit the system. He, he puts in a yeah. better cross than most of the players on that part. He's a if we correct. were if we were still correct. playing in a if we were mm. still playing in a three and pushing wing backs way way up the pitch, or even playing in that system where Xhaka kind of dropped in and the wing backs got miles forward, Cedric would be a good player. I remember saying last season that I preferred Cedric to Bellerin. Because I thought both of them couldn't fucking defend, but at least Cedric had a cross at the end of it, whereas Bellerin seemed to have no end product. So it is it it is unfortunate. What I would say is, if we do if we do get into Europa, and I still think we'll get into Europa, I think Cedric will be absolutely passable in the early rounds of Europa, in the early rounds of cups and and stuff like that. And unfortunately, he's going to be the guy. So he was essentially the last guy bought in on a dumb contract which means he's going to be the last guy out on that Maybe, contract. I think as well, I think we've just got a bit in our heads, the same as you all have with El Nenny. I was singing El Nenny's praises for years. I think we've got the same thing with Cedric. We've decided we don't like him because he's been asked to do a difficult job. Tierney, since we've asked Tierney to become a left-back and actually defend, he's been half the player that he was. Uh, when we asked him to go tearing down a wing, mm. get out of position mm-hmm. and put crosses in, he was brilliant. And Cedric the same. It gives us an option if we want to play three at the back to have those two as actual wing backs and then go in and cross the ball. But we've never had a centre forward that could head the ball. You know, so, yeah. so we've, we've, you know, it was a strategy <laughs> that didn't work. I actually think if we'd have got Val- Vlahovic, who was six foot three, I think that would have given us an option to play a Cedric and a Tierney as attacking wingers. But then we, we in the last 18 months, we've found that we've got Martinelli, who's been superb on the left wing. Emil Smith-Rowe has been superb wherever he's played. Uh, Saka, superb on the right wing. Suddenly, we don't need those attacking wing backs like we did. Let's not write mm. off Cedric. He's a decent player. He's not a great player. You know, and, and you know uh, what? If you if you manage to replace Granite Jacker with a multi-directional, big-engined midfielder who gets up and down, oh, all well, of like a sudden, Thomas Party. 
all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you can start to push Tierney further forward because you've got someone who can actually get well, we in and, and start back, to back cover. To my, this is back to my. You can spend a lot of money, and it doesn't always work. I hope Thomas Partey turns into a great player, but in my year and a half, or however it's long he's been playing for the club now through his injuries, I've seen him have one good game. One, two, good game. two, Maybe yeah, two. Maybe I'm yeah, missed, I I'm agree. Linked. Manu, Manu, and City. Yeah. Well, against City, he was the missing link. Suddenly, we looked world beaters. Suddenly, we yep. looked like we could be competing. At the remember top when, end of the I remember when I remember when Cazorla did it against City. Like same thing. One game doesn't make. No, no but Cazorla was week in, week out. Cazorla was the best player on the pitch for us most games he played. No, I know, but and, I just and remember, that was remember that and that moment. was the that was the Cazorla game. Yeah, but I remember that moment when we put him in there and we were all like, "Oh well." What's that? Look, boys, I, I I think no matter what, and I said this on, on the podcast with Dan Potts last week. Can I, I just ask no, you a question, Max? Why have you mentioned that podcast that you were on three times in the show? Are you so desperate for people to go and listen? Go on, he's on a one hour, six minutes in Dan podcast. Dan's, what's it called? You mentioned it three times. You didn't mention our was, podcast three times when you were on his. <laughs> anyway, I think that if you if you... If you look at it, there is no way of judging anything until we get into the summer. That's the bare bones of it. We can't judge whether going into the last 17 games with the amount of players that we have is going to be a smart strategic move or a risky strategic move until we get to the end of it. You're not going to be able to judge whether having to bring in eight players in a transfer window is going to be a smart move or a bad move if they're already identified, if they're not identified, until we get into it. Unfortunately, or fortunately for Arsenal, a strategy has been put in place. That strategy has been accepted by the ownership and we need to let that strategy play out until the end of its its lifespan, which might have been a, a three-year plan, for us to be able to make the decisions on whether it's good or bad. And all, fucking stand, all standing around on Twitter and acting like you're going to go fucking support someone else and your club's trash and your club's dead and... And everything is fucking shit. Everything is shit. Um, what's the point? This, what's the point? What's imagine, the point of being a fan? Can you imagine what that um, training ground was like? You've got the captain who's who's obviously taken a piss. Mainsley Maitland-Niles apparently was very down, negative. You've got players that aren't playing every week. You know, hardly getting a look in like Pepe and things. You get you all of those players we got rid of in the last, you know, in this transfer window. They weren't adding. They weren't playing. They must have been miserable. They're not improving us. And you reports know, they, were, Darren, that Chambers was particularly unfit, particularly unfit, below the standard that you would expect a, a Premiership player. So if that's the reason why they well, decided, I heard that at the start of the season. I don't know yeah. about how it he went. May, on, he may have. He, he may have. He missed his opportunity and Tomayasu came in and, you know, stuck his willy in him and said, you know, that's it, son. Now that's my spot. So, he, yeah. you know, and I'm the same as Darren. I really like Chambers as a player because I thought he was technically quite complete and he just never got... You remember when he came in when he was very young and he ended up playing centre-back for England. You know, that's how well he played at that time. When Koscielny went off injured against Atleti, we, Chambers came on and we were we became better. We became a better team, you know. And every and when we were playing a back three, he was our best central defender for a period of time because of his distribution ability. But every time he got injured or something had happened, 
and it's just the way it is in football. So, you know, it it is what it is. But, you know, I, I am sad to see him go more than more than others. But it, it ain't that bad. You know, we, we could consider some hypotheticals here. Lacazette, you would almost be at the point where you just give him a one-year rolling contract, sort of NRL style. You know, you mm. keep the old guy. He's good leader. He works his up. ass off. He doesn't score many goals anymore, but, you know, he brings others into it. If you get a kick-ass worldie, hopefully someone tall who can head the ball. So we have And bring a couple back of Balogun. And you bring know, back Balogun from Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah, if he, if, he, if, he, if he does well, I mean, I don't even care if Balogun has another loan and Eddie remains third choice. I don't have a problem with that. I know everyone's decided Eddie's no good. Eddie's got Eddie will walk on a free. You know. Anyway, end. whatever. We're, let's not have that conversation. So if we get that player in, like Darren was saying, El Nini's not that bad as a fourth choice. I actually will say right here, I reckon next season we'll start again with Jacker and Party. And we probably won't get anyone better because there will be not only are they good as a pair and functional and the right age. Yes, they both make errors, but you know, they're certainly not the worst. We 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 will find out that we will have other areas of the squad that we need to spend the money on more, and they'll probably remain. And if you started next season with Jacka Party Lakonga and say you get El Neni in, or one of them moves around in that rotation and you get another one in fine you know it's it's not the worst it's not the worst the, squad i think the problem there is toby is you are meant to be kicking on and you are meant to be progressing and what you're talking about is remaining stagnant and that it just it, it that, ain't fifa is toby, my point that, i know it's not fifa but listen mm. that can't be a strategy towards success that's a strategy towards the mediocrity of being a fourth, fifth, or sixth team. And I agree with you, Toby. But if we stand still and Newcastle move forward and Villa move forward and other clubs around us move forward, what you're proposing and what you're saying is acceptable, it doesn't maintain us. And that's that is the that is the difference. The Can difference just, is can, that the Premier League does not stand still around you, yeah. which means you eventually have to look at either moving on Jacker, or I would quite happily, Toby, bring someone in and let him perform better than Xhaka. For sure, let and that's what I said. Let bring him someone... Dethrone, let him dethrone yeah. Xhaka. And there's plenty of games, and you and we know you can have leaders that don't play all the time. I don't, that's I don't, not even, a... I don't think we're stronger if you take Xhaka out of the squad, but you need to bring someone in who's going to have the possibility of being better than him and possibly taking his Could, first Can I have squad. one rebuttal with that? And, and Darren, I know you're trying to say something. One rebuttal is because of our age demographic that we have chosen, all of our players will be better next season. So your Lakongas, your Smith Rose your Odegaards, your Sackers, all of those players will all improve. Your Ben Whites, your Gabriels, they're all going to be better next season. So we have the like a new transfer type of thing because of the players' progression. So I don't think we are, and we've already seen that with us, we're not going to be able to buy our ways out or buy our way towards progressing those super clubs. I just don't think it's going to happen. So our model needs to remain intact and we need to cherry pick the right players at the right time. Darren. Well, I was just confused when I listened to you, Max, sometimes because what you're 
you're saying sometimes you know we're doing what we said you banged on last year we needed somebody to partner Jacka, and Jacka was a great player you know Jacka could be a really good player we just needed someone good alongside him and then he's not good enough so we brought thomas party the best performance we've had this season was with party and Jacka. Jacka in the european championships last year was one of the best players in the tournament we have two solid we have two. He is consistent. Gets sent off regularly. Gets booked regularly. <laughs> makes bad tackles regularly. You know. It, you know. There's some huge consistencies with that man. But the the game against Manchester City was with those two, and then we brought in Sambula Conga, who has the potential to to challenge those two for a, a for their place. So that's already in place. I mean, I would like an upgrade on Jack. I'd like an upgrade on Party. I see them both exactly the same at the moment. Both can be a little bit disappointing. But when they play well, we are really, really good. You know, we just got to get those two playing well. And we're forever saying, let's replace them. Well, we're bought in Lakonga. It looks like he's a, a great footballer, but he's a year or two off being where we need him to be. You know, but the way we're playing, you know, with him now supporting those two. Sorry, that's my phone as well. Uh, <laughs> but the way we're supporting all our phones going on. Um, the way we're, you know, we, we are building that squad. We've done exactly what you asked. You wanted somebody to play alongside Jacka, we got party. You wanted us to bring in someone to challenge those two, we brought in Lakonga and Erdegaard. You know, we, we are doing those things. I'm actually really happy with the way he's building his squad. I really am, you know? Yeah, and and I agree with all of those things. And I agree that we are moving in a positive direction and that the moves we have made are positive. I think that the strategy that has been put in place appears to be a strategy that we can start to see how that would evolve. So I can see Arsenal's path out of this. What I will say, Darren, is the two arguments are defined by where you see your club and what you see your club and what you want them to do. So if you want to be a Champions League club touching fourth place... I want us to win the Champions League. Well, I don't believe that the strategy we have in place right now will deliver us a, a Champions League, Darren. I don't, no, no, because no, I don't no, think that you can you catch start? up. Unless we get an oligarch who's got um, a shed load of money and financial fair play goes out the window, then that's not going to happen. So what do we have but to do? We have to build from the start. Go back to FIFA. You're starting with Swindon Town in the fourth division and you've got to slowly build it up. You can't just, when you're manager at FIFA in, in Division 4, and, go and spend $600 million and unless Darren, you've got a cheat code. And, and, then, and we haven't got a cheat code. We haven't got an Darren, 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 and I'm, Darren I'm fine with it. Darren, I'm fine with it. So, I'm fine so, with it. So how do we I'm get into the Darren, Champions support, League? How Darren, do we I win? How do we win the Champions League? I think football is broken, Darren, not Arsenal. How I think do we win I, I agree. I agree. How well, do I don't we think I don't think we do. We and I and I think and I think there's no point jumping up and down and saying, Oh fucking hate Arsenal, you're so fucking shit. I I'm a winner, you know. Because the only way you do that is with money and with an ugly arc, with a nation state. So it ain't going to happen. So we broken. need to enjoy our club for what it is. Which and I was everything my, which that was we my have. point, Toby. Yes, which was my point. exactly. I am so happy. Just, I'm happy with an. I'm happy with an FA Cup run. I'm happy with I'm us. Not. I want to win I'm the happy. Champions League. So no, how do we there's, get there's, there? There's a how, difference. Darren, Toby, how do we Toby, get Toby, there? How do we get there? Toby and I support a rugby league team that was the best team in the world in the mid-90s, and they have been utter, utter shit for 20 years, and we finally got to a grand 30. final, and we lost the grand final. So we are experienced, Darren, in fucking loving a club, despite that club having no chance 
against the top. So we had to enjoy things like, would, would our team make it into the top eight, which is the equivalent of the top six in, in English football? Would they make it into the top eight? We loved our team. We supported our team and we still got up and we still screamed for them. It is not going to make me not support Arsenal All right, let me simplify. this strategy doesn't deliver Champions League wins let and me, Premier League wins. Let me simplify my question. All right, because obviously it's too difficult. How do we win the Champions League? We buy the our f- way to it like every other fucking you club in the world does. You just shut the fuck up for 30 I'm answering 30 your seconds. question. I haven't finished the question. How do we win the Champions League when we're not even in it? So surely, baby steps, the first thing is to get in it. Okay? This isn't a plan that we're putting together at the moment to win the Champions League. This is a plan to get back into the Champions League. It's the first step, all right? We're looking at a a plan where we've made so many mistakes. We've been on a steady decline for 15 years. We have drawn a line in the sand. We are removing the ridiculous wages we were playing players who weren't delivering. Uh, We have got a young side that in five years' time, if we can keep those players and they continue to improve, could be world beaters. Okay, the first step is to get us into the Champions League. So that is what we are doing. At the end of next season, which was the three-year plan, we have to be in the top four to qualify for the Champions League. Then you can attract better players, you have more money coming into the club, and you can add to that squad. Okay, you can't do it now. We haven't got an owner that's going to spend the money. Financial fair play prohibits us getting there because we're not even in the Europa League. So you can't justify spending hundreds of millions of pounds, even if we wanted to. And we are still spending more money than our rivals. So let's get off their backs. It's a three-year plan to get into the Champions League. And then I'm sure the plan will be another three to five years to win it. Yeah, that's the plan. We've gone from an eighth place team. Let's look in eight years time and maybe we'll be back at the top table. That's what I'm hoping for. And I think all everything that you said, Darren, is very, very logical. And I think it all makes sense. My fear is I don't believe that the Arsenal fan base, not us, the in fact, I don't even know whether it's the wider Arsenal fan base that's crazy or just the loudest part of the Arsenal fan base that's crazy. I don't believe that they will accept that timeline off the back of 15 years of what they perceive as we failure. But Darren, I would game. rather do it the right way. I'd rather mate, do it mate, the Arsenal. Mate. I'd rather do it the Arsenal way. Take this, take this transfer window out of the argument because we're all disappointed that we didn't land a, a, a top, a, a big player. We're all disappointed that we didn't land, even if we got a really another good Tomoyasu. Yeah, we didn't get anybody, so we're all disappointed. I'm sure Arteta is disappointed. I'm sure Edu is disappointed. I'm sure Kroenke is disappointed because we wanted to add to our squad in this window. We didn't. But we are playing very well at the moment. We are playing some really good football and we are competing for the top four, which none of us thought we would be at the start of the season, except me. So, you know, the, the fans, the fans in the stadium are still 100% behind this club, more than they have been for years because we've got people we're enjoying watching football, players who are putting that shirt on and working their nuts off for the badge. Mm. That mm. is the difference this year because they're a young, keen, committed side that are believing in the manager's plan and they're all working together for it. And when you don't fit in with that plan, you get out of this side. You're not in this side anymore. Captain or anything. Toby. Toby can, I say, can I say as well, everyone that we have got rid of now and our entire decline over the last 15 years, we have been buying sloppy seconds. 
cast-offs. So even the big players you mentioned before, Dirty Sanchez, you know, who who else did you Ozil. mention? Ozil was a sloppy seconds cast-off as well. Madrid. So we, we have been picking up players who have made it, not quite made it, lost their motivation and come to a cushy club on big wages. So when you say players playing for the badge and fans getting behind, it's not difficult to get fans behind you if you love the club as much as a fan does. If you're an overpaid twat who isn't showing that emotion, that desire on the pitch, and body language is everything for for fans, you know, if you're avoiding tackles, trotting around the pitch, showing poor body language, you're not going to get that. Or you're a maverick, arrogant renegade like Alexis Sanchez was who played for himself and, and not the club. So we are in a good place of progression. There is no point competing for the cast-offs anymore. You know, I'm so glad we didn't go and get a player like Coutinho and then fuck Odegaard in the ass because, you know, you've just completely ruined ruined his pathway. You know, William, so I David Louise, yeah, yeah. All all of those, you know, and, and I had those in my head and I, you know, I, I lost them obviously. I was feeling for you guys to to back me up. So it's really good that we've stopped doing that. They're always on high wages, those players. You know, absolutely we needed a striker. We needed a connecting striker, a striker that could head the ball for when a game happens like a Burnley or something like that, and there's no way through except round and above. Um, and utilising players like Tierney and, you know, dare I say, Cedric and players like that because you have a plan B. So that's what I would be wanting to see. And we're progressing slowly. There is a plan in place. We're all disappointed, yes, but the goal just has to be the Champions League. And as a secondary prize, at least the Europa League, and we can move from there. Yeah. Okay, yes, boys, we've done comments, an hour. I'll just see. Sorry, I'll just see. Yeah. Hello, Russ. Russ, by the way, Russ Morgan, one of our regulars. Uh, I just saw there Sanchez play for himself. Ridiculous comment. He left everything <laughs> out on the pitch every game. Um, some people really liked him. I thought we had uh, four seasons with us, two really good, two really bad. I the, thought uh, he was a cunt and yeah. disliked him immensely. But each to their own. Boys, we've done an hour. You know we like to finish off in an hour. I will leave us with these thoughts. I do not think that what has happened in this transfer window is a disaster. I think that in business, you have to put in place strategies and those strategies have to be seen out until the end of that journey. We will see what that journey is. As Arsenal fans, what we need to come to terms with, and Darren put this very eloquently, is that this piece of the strategy that's going on right now is not the strategy to get us winning the Premier League. It's not the strategy to get us winning the Champions League. I fundamentally agree with everything Darren said, that this is a strategy to get us back to the Champions League. Do I believe that that strategy would need to change to deliver us more success at the top level of football? Absolutely. Do I believe that's because the Cronkies are broken? Not particularly. I think football's broken. I think football has become at the highest level a soulless, money-based approach. And unless you're willing to reach into your soul and cut it out and give it to the devil, I do not believe that you can build from within, buy young players and develop them and win at the highest, highest level. I know Leicester did it. I know Arsenal have done it in the past, but football doesn't exist in that realm anymore. And that is maybe the saddest thing of all. Our tribalism doesn't stop. 
We go to bed an Arsenal fan. We wake up an Arsenal fan. Just because your transfer window is trash doesn't mean that you're going to throw it out, go buy a Manchester City jersey and stop turning on the television. So please, Arsenal fans, stop being a pack of petulant little cunts. Get off fucking Twitter. And as I said last week, go on a holiday. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Get a fucking blowjob. Because guess what? We're playing Wolves next week and we're going to win 3-1. Good night. I've never pressed the button on time. This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.